This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. As you're being seated, if you would, turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. We've been learning how in these days to lift up our eyes, to believe God for more, and how to prosper in the days in which we're living. And the reality that we're, we're dealing with is because of everything going on around us, we cannot stay still. We cannot stagnate. We cannot stay where we are at the same level because of what's going on in the world around us. If we stay where we are, you're automatically going to be going backwards. So in these days, we have to forcefully advance in every area of life, and that includes in our finances. One of our launching scriptures has been what Jesus said in Mark 4, and verse 28, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So we've been learning how to lift up our eyes, how to stretch our faith, how to take action, how to take greater action to live in harvest in the days in which we're living. And as I've been saying, you can't make up the difference in these days by telling your wife she can't do grocery shopping the next two weeks. And I've learned, if I go and I think I'm gonna save money, I always spend more than Jessica. So that, that doesn't work. You're, you're not gonna make up the difference being cheap or being stingy or being selfish. Now, we're to be good stewards, and we're to use the wisdom of God, and we're not to be wasteful. But the point is to not just maintain, but to have plenty and more than enough, we're going to have to believe God, and we're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. And faith requires action. Faith requires obedience. And as we're going to deal with today, faith requires our positive confession. Faith requires that we say what the Word of God says. Faith requires that we get into agreement with God and with His Word. Say this, say, Jesus said, it will be according to my faith. So I'm going to believe God for His best. Say it again, say, Jesus said that it would be according to my faith. So I'm going to believe God for his best. Life is not a matter of luck or chance. And you are not a victim of fate. With the choices and the decisions that you make and the action that you take, you can change your life for the better. Some may wrongly feel that life has no purpose, no meaning, no way out, no way up, no way through. That they face challenges and disappointments alone relying on their own strength and ability. 
But thank God you and I do not have to live this life only in the natural, relying on our strength, our wits, our ability. Praise God that our Heavenly Father, He can add His super to our natural, and we can live supernatural lives. You know, that's what we were singing about in the last song today. He's with us, He's for us, He's leading us, He's guiding us, He's helping us, He's empowering us, He's enabling us. His super can be added to your natural, and you can live a supernatural life. Say, say this, say, all things are possible because I believe God and I believe his word. Now, now, you may not believe this in your heart, but if you'll renew your mind to the word of God and get it down in your heart, you'll come to the place where you, you realize and you believe and you can say and believe it that with God, all things are possible and that nothing is impossible for the man or the woman that believes God and believes his word. Now, Matthew chapter 9 is fascinating, the way Matthew puts this together. And in Matthew chapter 9, we have three miracles, and we have three positive confessions. We also have Jesus speaking positively in agreement with each of these positive confessions. Matthew 9, beginning in verse 18. Matthew 9, 18. While he, Jesus, was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him, and he said, my daughter has just died. Now, he, he didn't say that she's very sick or she's near death or she doesn't look like she's going to make it. He, he came and he said, my daughter has just died. So he didn't deny the situation. He didn't deny the difficulty of the situation. But then he said, verse 18, come and put your hand on her and she will live. Say, say she will live. She will live. So th this man was a ruler, a leader, there in the local community, but, but he did not have the benefit of the New Testament. He did not have the benefit of being born again or filled with the Holy Spirit. He did not have the benefit that we have of coming to a faith church and hearing about faith and positive confession, and yet look at how positive he was. Look at what he said. Put your hand on her and she will live. So we have the first positive confession. Jesus got up and went with them. So did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak. One of the gospel authors tell us that she had spent all of her money on doctors and all that they could do. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. She had done everything that she could do in the natural. What did she need? She needed the supernatural. And so she came up she touched the edge of his cloak or garment. Verse 21, we have the second positive confession. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now, part of forcefully advancing in these days is to say what you want, to say what you desire, to say what the Word of God says. Don't say what you fear. Don't say what you dread. Don't say what you're anxious or worried or nervous about. And you might think it, but don't say it. Don't let the words come out of your mouth. It's not in the notes. They won't be ready for it upstairs. But Proverbs 18 and verse 21 tells us, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So we're either speaking death or we're speaking life. You have to watch what you say. 
And think about this woman and think about her situation and think about all that she had suffered and all that she had endured, bleeding, not being able to control the bleeding for 12 years, spending all of her money going to this doctor and that doctor and going to specialists, the specialists of her day. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. And not only was she sick in her body, but because of spending all that she had, she was economically impoverished. And yet look at how positive she was. She said, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now we find out from another gospel that she had heard. Jesus had been going around teaching and preaching and casting out devils, and he had been also healing the sick. Many times the gospel tell us that he, that he healed each and every one. And so one of the gospels tell us that she had heard. She had heard, and so she believed. She had heard, she believed, and so she said, she said, I will be healed. And we're about to get to later, verse 29, Jesus said, according to whose faith? According to your faith will it be done unto you. She said, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, your daughter. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. Whose faith? Her faith. See, some would have us believe that it's up to God's will, which then they explain is a mystery. No. We know his will by his word. Some would say that, well, it's God's will to heal some, but not, not others. Jesus never once told anyone that in the Gospels. He said, your faith. Whose faith? Her faith. Your faith has healed you. So what do you believe? What are you saying with your mouth? And the woman was healed from that moment. Twelve years of suffering, healed in a moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away. You know, if you read the Gospels, you'll find out that the one who gave us the love command and told us that the love command fulfills all the commands and law of God, that, that love, the God kind of love, doesn't mean that we're pushovers or that we let people take advantage of us or we let someone get in the way of a blessing or a miracle. What did he say? Go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and got up. Put the crowd and all distractions outside. We'll deal with that more here in just a moment. In your life, to, to forcefully advance, you got to set aside the distractions. Anything, anyone that is a distraction. Hebrews says it this way, to throw off everything, and in particular, to throw off every sin that so easily entangles. You can't run if you're not focused. You can't win if you're not focused. The girls were a part of cross country this summer, and their coach challenged them with the goal of running 100 miles. We were on family vacation. We got back from that, so they, they were behind all the others. But when we got them outside and running as quick as we could early because of how hot it is, how hot it's been, and they wanted little music players so they could listen to worship music while they 
they ran. And so I ordered what I thought would work, what would be the, the best thing, but didn't realize you need special headphones because otherwise those little headphones are going to fall out. And so the first day that they, they tried doing that, you know, they were out there and stopping every 10 feet and adjusting the headphones and putting the headphones back in and, you know, then walking over, you know, Daddy, it's not working and, and what's wrong? Can you get on Amazon right now and order something else? And I said, just give them to me and run, run. You have got to set aside every distraction so you can run the race that God has for you. And this is a part of the miraculous and receiving from God what belongs to you. So after the crowd had been put out, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread all throughout that region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Say this, say, according to my faith, Will it be done to me? And I, I would love for you to mark that, underline that, highlight that, star that in your Bible. According to your faith, will it be done to you? And this is true in every area of life. Perhaps you've heard my father say something like this, that you get around believers and Christian people, and they, they love the Lord and they love the Word of God, but maybe they haven't heard about a particular area of the Word of God. So they have faith to be saved, but they've not heard what the Word of God says about healing, so they have no faith to be healed. Or maybe they've heard about salvation and they've heard about healing, but maybe they haven't heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so that they don't have faith to receive something that belongs to them. Or maybe they've heard about salvation, they've heard about healing, they've heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they've not heard what the Bible says about their needs being met, about having more than enough so that they, they have no faith for it. Well, this is critical. This is fundamental because Jesus said, according to whose faith? According to those men's faith. We can say it this way, according to our faith, will it be done unto us? I didn't give them the reference, so don't expect it on screen. How does faith come? Paul wrote, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. She heard, and so she said. She heard, and so she said. Say this, say, Jesus said, it will be according to my faith. So I'm going to believe God for his best. Say it again, say, I'm going to believe God for his best. Now, in your life, you might define the best differently than I might define it. That's why pastor says we're not the faith police. We're all at different levels. We all have different dreams and desires. God's given us each a different purpose, a different destination and destiny, different race to run. But in your life, whatever God has put within your heart, you ought to believe God for his best. And what you're believing for and what you're saying and what you're confessing and the action you're taking, it has everything to do with what you receive from God. And why is that? Jesus said in Matthew 9, verse 29, according to whose faith? According to your faith. Say, according to my faith. According to your faith, will it be done to you? Number one, this ruler had a 
positive confession. Tell your neighbor, say, he was positive. Tell your other neighbor, say, he was positive. You know, we live in the world, we see the news, we know the negative. It doesn't need to be said. It doesn't need to be stated. The Bible says that in the book of Job, that which I feared has come upon me. So you got to get the fear out of your life. Got to get the anxiety, got to get the worry out of your life. And we'll deal with this the next two Sundays. But if there is a concern, better to address it and deal with it and discipline the problem than letting it grow and letting it fester and become a bigger problem or issue. The Bible says of Job that he was a righteous man. But if you read Job carefully, you read in between the lines. Read the details. His wife was a negative person. And his children were partyers. It's best to just do things God's way. So first, we see that this ruler, he had a positive confession. Look back up at verse 18. He said to Jesus, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. You know, it's crazy how the last few years, one of the things that I, I hated the most about all the COVID insanity and the COVID tyranny and the, the stupid rules was the not allowing people to visit each other and not allowing even ministers to visit people in the hospital. How evil, how wicked. You've heard my father tell stories. Well, there, there have been situations where we have visited people with contagious things. That doesn't concern me at all. But it, it's sad and heartbreaking how they wouldn't let families go see their elderly relative in an assisted living facility. They wouldn't even let pastor, pastors go pray with people in the hospital. Ridiculous, foolish, evil, wicked, tyrannical. Seems like everyone just wants to forget that that ever took place. But there, there have been times where we've gone to pray with someone or visit someone, and you know the moment you walk in the room, they're believing God. They're expecting a miracle. They're expecting good things to happen. Well, they get a different result than somebody who's negative or somebody who has a bad attitude for whatever the reason. I remember once I visited someone, and I don't know what the issue was. I don't know if they were expecting Pastor Sue, and I walked in. I do not I don't not know what the issue was, but they were not happy to see me. And there was no faith in the room, none whatsoever. And a very unkind, almost mean, and so I just did my best. And I was nice, I was gracious, prayed a nice prayer. And you know, as I left, I remember what my father always told me, that when we go to pray with someone or go to visit someone in prison, we're doing that for the Lord. And we're going to see Jesus. So we put it in the hands of God. My point is, Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? See, if you expect something good to happen, what's gonna happen? Something good's gonna happen. If you expect miracles to come your way, what's going to come your way? Miracles. If you expect supernatural provision to come your way, what's going to happen? But if you go to the grocery store 
and you're worried and you're afraid and you're walking down the aisle and you think, oh my goodness, the arrows are pointed the other way. I'm going to get sick and I'm going to die. What is going to happen in your life? Fear or faith? And even if you think something that's negative or you're, you're worried or you're concerned or you're fearful, don't let it come out of your mouth. And think about it. This girl had died. She was dead. And yet this father was positive. He said, put your hand on her and she will live. Number two, the woman with initial blood had a positive confession. And as I point out, 12 years of suffering, 12 years of not getting better, 12 years of spending all she had and getting worse. And yet she was positive. Verse 21, she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, she said, I will be healed. So you got to watch what you say. Got to watch what you let come out of your mouth. And if you ask someone to pray the prayer of agreement with you, as Jesus taught Matthew 18, 19, got to be positive. Got to say what the word says, that you will receive. You'll get your answer. You'll get your miracle. You'll get your breakthrough. You know, sometimes we'll call for the sick to come forward and lay hands on them as led by the Holy Spirit or anoint with oil according to James chapter 5. Your attitude ought to be when hands are laid upon me, I will be healed. I will be made well. I will receive my miracle. Just today in the atrium, someone asked me to come and pray with a family member according to James 5 and to anoint them with oil. I'm going to do it because that's what the word says. And the word says that the prayer of faith will or shall raise them up. So I'm going to do it expecting a good result, expecting a victory, expecting a miracle, expecting a breakthrough. So this woman had a positive confession. Number three, Jesus responded to the woman with his own positive confession. Verse 22, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. He affirmed her positive confession with his own positive confession. And here at the end of the message, we'll see in the book of Hebrews that Jesus, according to Hebrews, he is the high priest of our profession. The word in the Greek is homologia. He is the high priest of our saying the same thing God says. That's what he can agree with. That's what he can bless that's the prayer or the expectation or the confession that he can answer. Us saying what the word says. I will be healed. I will be made well. I will come off this bed of affliction. The need will be met. The bill will be paid. There will not just be enough. There will be plenty. There will be more than enough. See, that's what he can bless. That's what he can answer. That's what he can say Amen too. Number four, Jesus responded to the ruler's positive confession with his own positive confession. Look at verse 24. So there was a crowd there. There were distractions there. There have been times we've gone to visit someone in the hospital, and this is pre-COVID, and there, there are still some ridiculous rules. But I, I remember times in the past, you walk in and you think they're having a birthday party in the room. You know, there's so many people you're, you're trying to squeeze through to get to the person in need. And I've learned you have to do what Jesus did. Ask them all to go have a Starbucks. 
Get all the doubt, get all the unbelief, get all the negativity out of the room. Why? So there are no hindrances to believing God. There are no hindrances to doing what the Word says. There are no hindrances to saying, we will have the victory. We will have the healing. We will have the answer. We will have the breakthrough. And in your life, part of walking in the miraculous, part of walking in the blessing of God, part of receiving all that God has for you is you've got to set aside every distraction. Or as the book of Hebrews says, you have to set aside everything, everyone that hinders and that entangles. And we'll, we'll deal, be dealing with this the next two Sundays. Love means that we protect and we serve and we lead our families, but, but love doesn't mean that we have to allow anything into our homes that's a problem or that's a bad influence. Somebody might say, well, well, it's my friend. Well, if your friend is a problem, if your friend is a distraction, if your friend is bringing division or friction into the home or leading a child or a spouse astray, you got to love your friend from a distance. To receive from God, to receive what God has for you, to do what God has called you to do, to walk in the miraculous, to do as Jesus did, to walk in the power of God. you got to get every distraction out of the room. And, and notice they, they, they laughed. They mocked him. They made fun of him. Go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. She was dead. Now she was alive. But what if he had left everyone in the room? What if he had allowed those that were mocking and making fun of to stay in the room? What if he had allowed all that doubt and unbelief and negativity to remain in the room? They, 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 they paid professional mourners. What if he had allowed them to stay in the room? You, you can't have a prayer of faith while there's all this distraction going on around you. you Got to get every distraction out of your life. And we love, we walk in love, but we can, we can love from a distance. You got to protect yourself. Got to protect your faith. Got to protect your heart. If you're married, got to protect your marriage. If you have a family, got to protect your family. Got to protect your home. Got to protect your frame of mind. Got to protect your focus. Got to protect your confession. Got to protect it to receive everything that God has for you. Just recently, Jessica and I were having lunch with friends. And the husband, so these are friends in ministry. The husband said to me, he said, you need to stay away from so-and-so. And, -so. and I, I wasn't really prepared for what's coming next. And he, he told us that a minister had repeatedly over the years vi tried vigorously pursuing his wife. And I was just stunned. And I just said, don't need to know anymore. Okay. And so later that afternoon on my phone, unliked, unfollow, unfriend. Don't want it anywhere near me. No distractions. Why? I've got to be busy with what I'm supposed to be busy with. I've got to be focused on what I'm supposed to be focused on. You know, sometimes people might invite us to this or that. It's not that Jessica and I are antisocial. We're busy. And with five children, we are very busy. You know, Jessica yesterday was telling me about the schedule for September, and she was telling me about what each child's supposed to wear, which days. 
She was telling me, you know, I, I didn't know I, I made a mistake. The other night at orientation, Michaela walked up to me and she said, here's the form for sports. I want to sign up for every sport. Well, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm all for just getting things done. And so I, I, I check, 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 and then I, I sign my name. You're signed up for every sport. And, and Jessica's like, why did you not ask me first? <laughs> so she's like, I can't put this in our phone. She's like, I'm going to need like a visual calendar with the, what they're wearing, the pickup times, the drop-off times, who's doing what, which days. We're busy. So we have to be focused. And our family, Jessica, is the designated birthday party person. So if our kids ever miss a birthday party, talk to Jessica about that. She, she's the one. <laughs> but part of doing what God has called you to do is you being focused. And then not allowing anyone to be a negative distraction. Not allowing anyone to come into your home or your family or your children's lives to be a negative distraction. And for us and our family, we, we have to even do that in terms of ministry and who we hang out with and who we fellowship with. Once there was a minister visiting and my father was tired, he asked Jessica and I to do lunch after church that day. We sat down to lunch, we had our kids, and the appetizers had not even come. And this minister, he proceeded to badmouth another famous minister, not talking about, you know, this doctrine or that doctrine or this teaching or that teaching, but just said the, the most horrible things. And the bread hadn't even come. So Jessica, from the beginning, she said, Austin, there's just something not right about that. We need to keep, keep our distance. So husbands, listen to your wife regarding these matters. And wives... Listen to your husband, because we all see things the other might not. So Jesus, he said, go away. He put the distractions outside. He put every hindrance outside, and there was a miracle. Number five, look at verse 27. The two blind men had a positive confession. They were blind. But when Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this, what did they say? They said, yes, Lord, and they received their miracle. Number six, Jesus responded to the two blind men's positive confession with his own positive confession. Verse 29, according to your faith will it be done to you. Say, say according to my faith. So we have three miracles in a row. We have three positive confessions in a row. And notice that Jesus responded to every positive confession with agreement with affirmation, with the positive confession of his own. And this teaches us something about receiving from God. This teaches us something about receiving our miracle. Because we learn in Hebrews that Jesus, he is the high priest of our profession. And the word, and again, you know pastor and I are educated, but we don't like to trot out this word or that word for no reason. The point is we learn something from it. The word in the Greek in the original language, homologia, means to say the same thing. To say the same word. That's what he can bless. That's what Jesus can say amen to. That's what he can get into agreement with. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, our homologia, are saying the same thing. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. 
So Jesus, he can only agree with his word. Our profession is our saying what his word says. Our profession is our saying the same thing he says. And so since Jesus is the high priest of our profession, we have to be careful with what we say. We have to be careful with our words. And again, a doubt may come. A worry may be present. Don't say it. Don't speak it. Don't do like Job did and talk about, well, that which I feared has come upon me. Don't, don't say it. Don't verbalize it. Say what you want. Say what you desire. Say what you expect to happen. Say what the word of God says. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast. Do what? Let us hold fast. And this is why fellowship matters. This is why getting the distractions out matter. This is why getting the doubt and the unbelief and the negativity out, it matters. Let us hold fast to our profession. So you see, you ought not allow anyone, anything in your life that will hinder your profession or your agreement or you're saying the same thing as the word says. Hebrews 10 verse 23, let us hold fast. Again, let us hold fast the profession. Let us hold fast our saying the same thing of our faith without waver, for he is faithful that promise. This is how we receive from God. This is how we receive healing. This is how we receive, Paul points out in Galatians, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is how we receive every good thing and every blessing from God. Look at Mark 11, beginning in verse 22, where Jesus taught on faith. Have faith in God or the God kind of faith. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall do what? Hope, believe, desire. What does he say? Whosoever shall say. And if you're afraid to say, you got some wrong fellowship going on in your life. If you're afraid to say or worried to say because of the reaction, you got some wrong fellowship going on. You got some distractions going on. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So yes, there may be a doubt in here, but if you don't say it, that's not what's going to come to pass. What will come to pass is what you say. If you say, I'm going to end this year better off than last year, what's going to happen? You're going to end this year better off than last year. And we just received the testimony in the last few days about a lady, working mom in the church, receiving a significant raise. But it was just a month or so ago in the atrium that she told me she's going to get a raise and to be in agreement. She received what she said. Matthew 9, 29, according to whose faith? Your faith, will it be done unto you? Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, we shall have whatsoever we say it. So you got to say it. And we've been dealing with sowing. Sowing is one kind of action, but another kind of action is our confession. You got to have all the forces of your life lined up and moving in the same direction. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Then verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever 
You desire. Who desires? You. Me. What things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. So faith takes action. As we've been learning, faith sows, faith obeys, but faith also speaks. I will be healed. The need will be met. The bill will be paid. I will end this year better off than last year. We, I, I will have more than enough. I will not run red. Not now, not ever, not this week, not this month, not this year. You have to say what you want. And it's not Austin making this up. Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, we shall have whatsoever we say it. Say, say I shall have whatsoever I say. Now with saying what the word says and stepping out in faith and obeying God, you have to start where you are. You have to start at your current level. This is why Pastor and I are forever challenging you to exercise your faith. Don't, don't wait for some serious obstacle to learn how faith works. There's a headache? Learn how faith works on a headache. That beats learning, trying to learn how faith works on something serious. If there's a small pain in your body, learn how faith works. Learn to say, I I'm healed. The pain's going away. The, the soreness is going away. That, that spot or that blemish or that growth, it is going away. I'm the blessed and the healed of Almighty God. And in your finances, learn how to exercise your faith daily. And learn how to exercise your faith to believe God for money to come in above and beyond. And you might have to start at $100. Learn how to exercise your faith to believe God for $100 extra dollars. Then $500. Then $1,000. Some of you are looking at me like, surely he doesn't believe this, mean this. It works. I said it works. I said it works. Jesus said we shall have whatsoever we say. And so if there's a need, you have to say the money's coming in. You have to say the money's coming in. Have to say the money's coming in. Because that sure beats the money's not coming in and I don't know what I'm going to do and I don't know how I'm going to pay it. Because Jesus said, you shall have whatsoever you say. I know I told this story in the spring that early in the spring, Jessica and I found out about an unexpected need. But before it ever came due, the money came in through two different means through two different sources. One amount was $10,000, another amount was $6,000. Unexpected, above and beyond. But we have learned to watch what we say. You have to say what you want. You have to say what you desire. Jesus said, we shall have whatsoever we saith. So with saying what the word says and stepping out in faith and obeying God, you have to start where you are. And over time, the harvest will come. With faith and with obedience, there are no limits. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith will it be done to you. You have to step out in faith and take action and obey God and believe God and say what the word says and make your good confession of faith right where you are at your current level. And as Pastor pointed out at 9 a.m., I, I love this. It's not just one or the other. It's getting all the forces of our lives lined up and moving in the same direction. We often quote Matthew 
17.20, Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say. And there are believers and they're saying, but there's no seed or there's no action or there's no obedience to say. And for Jesus, the high priest of our faith, to back you up, there's got to be a seed or there's got to be action or there's got to be obedience or there has to be sowing. If you have faith as a seed, even the size of a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, will it be done to you? He said in Matthew 19, verse 26, with God, all things are possible. Why don't we say that? Say, with my heavenly Father, all things are possible. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, Everything is possible for him who believes. Say, say, I believe. So say, that makes everything possible for me. See, I can tell we got to renew our minds to this. Say it again. Say, I believe. So that makes all things possible for me. Jesus said in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Say, say it again. Say, I believe. So say, all things are possible with my heavenly Father. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and perhaps you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. You have never given your life to him. He, he loves you. And the Bible says in John 3, 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus. He, he gave his life so that we could believe upon him and be saved. Jesus said, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He gave his life for you and me. But to be saved, to be a part of the family of God, we have to give our lives to him. He's standing at the door of your life. He's knocking, but you have to open the door and ask him to come in. In this world we live in, people say this is the answer, that's the answer. People say that you can even come up with your own way. All of those are lies. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way we can be saved. His name is the only name that we can call upon and be saved and be forgiven and be healed. You might be here today and say, Austin, I, I've never done that, but I want to be saved. I, I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it high to where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be a part of the family of God. You might also be here today and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you, you know in your heart you've not been living for God. And you've paid the price. The Bible says the wages of sin, it is death. You have paid the price living life your own way, doing your own thing. And maybe you've blamed others. Maybe you've blamed God. The Bible tells us that his mercy and his grace, it is new every morning. 
The Bible tells us that he, if we will come to him, he will restore the years the locusts have eaten. The Bible says that if we return to him, he will return to us. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I want you to pray with me. I want to recommit my life. That's you wherever you're seated. Raise your hand. Raise it high to where I'll see it. I'll know you want me to pray with you. You might be watching, listening online now or later, and you say, Austin, that, that's me. I, I want you to pray with me. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I give you my life. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. I give you my life, and I thank you. I'm a part of the family. You can go to the address at the bottom of the screen, fill out a short form. We'd love to be a blessing to you. If you don't have a Bible, we'll send you a Bible. And we'd love to also send you a copy of my father's book, God's Very Own Child. We can send it to you in English or in Spanish. It's short, easy to read, but it'll help you get started in living the Christian life.